0: You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024.
1: Every Sunday, every single Sunday for... A believer is Resurrection Sunday. This, this is the Sunday that, that, that is called the Lord's Day. The reason we have the services that we have, the reason we do what we're doing is because today is the day that the Lord came back out of the tomb. He was resurrected out of the tomb to, for justification, to give us justification so that we could stand in front of a holy God, right, without sin, and be purified. And let me go a little bit further. Every single day, every single day for a believer is resurrection. It's not every day is resurrection day for a believer. Because Christ lives in us as believers, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we do. We are believers. This is our day. This is every single day that Christ is our resurrection redemption. He is the reason we have the ability to be set free from our sins. And I know we, we set apart this day as part of something different. But Sunday, it's it's all the same for us as believers, those that are in Christ. Everything is the same. It is the day we set aside to worship and exalt the name of Christ. So I'm glad that you're here this morning. Thankful that you're a part of us this, uh, this morning. Um, so that being said, I just want to talk just a few minutes. I grew up in this environment. This, is the, this type of room, this environment is what I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor for over 50 years, and so I've been around the church my entire life, I went to camp, I went to youth retreats, I went to vacation Bible schools, I went to revivals, I went to special Bible study events, I, I was a part of all these things. I went with the, my dad even made me go with the old folks to the, to the Sizzler. I had to go to the Sizzler and eat steak with the, with the old folks. That was just part of my, because I grew up in this, this is what I did. And so... Um, I, as I went to church camp, I walked down front of the church of the church uh, camp that I was at. I prayed a prayer. I did all the things that you're supposed to do inside of the church. But still, I was left empty. I was, I was completely empty. I was a religious man, but I was not a saved man. I thought I was saved, but I was not heaven bound. I thought I was heaven bound, but I was actually a hell bound religious man. And it wasn't until the summer of 1998 that I truly, everything started to connect. The Holy Spirit used the word that had been preached into my life for decades. The Holy Spirit used that word that had been preached preached and ignited something in my heart. My father actually was teaching on Sunday morning in a room not, not too different from this room. He was preaching on a Sunday morning, uh, the summer of 1998, and he was in the text of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. So if you've got a Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. And I want you to see this because this is the text that started um, a transformation in my own heart. Um, it says this, examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith test yourselves or do you not realize that you yourselves that jesus christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test so the the idea here this morning is we do a self-evaluation a test how how many of y'all when you're in school love to take a test how many of you didn't like taking tests all right my people all right I wasn't. I wasn't a test taker either. Or still not to this day. But here's the here's the fact of the matter. The Lord Jesus Christ tells us here that we are to examine ourselves, to test ourselves, to see whether we are in the faith. And so we began this text out, and Dad went to the next verse that he was talking about. It was in Matthew chapter 23. He was talking about religious people because religious people, they like to throw this idea that, listen, I'm, I'm religious. I know the Bible. I go to church sometimes. I do the things that I do because this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and Jesus interacted with religious people a lot differently than he did with lost people. He looked at the religious folks who had some semblance and idea of who Jesus was and this is what he said to him. To, or to them, he said in Matthew chapter twenty-three, verse twenty-seven: "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you are like a whitewashed tomb, with outwardly appearing beautiful, but within you're full of dead men's bones, and you are all unclean." Listen, Jesus was talking to church folks here. He was talking to the the, the modern day church people in this text. Jesus was listen. Frankly, Jesus was talking about me. He was talking about a man who knew how to behave, a young man who knew how to behave in church. I, I knew I wasn't supposed to cuss in front of the old ladies at church. Like that would like I grew up in a day when anyone could slap you. I know that like you know we got little kids. Oh, time, everybody gets a timeout. Man, I wish I could have had a timeout. That would have been awesome. But uh, anybody could. So I knew I wasn't supposed to cuss in church. So bring that down, right? But school that was a different ball game. The old ladies weren't there. Right? So I had my school personality then I had my church personality. And so I was a little schizophrenic when it came to the idea of making sure I, but I knew how to keep it in check. I knew how to behave. I knew how to look the part. I knew how to talk the talk. I knew how to sing the songs. Man, Victor and Jesus, Jesus, I've been singing that since I was like in diapers. So I, I knew that song. I knew Amazing Grace. I knew all the, all the things I was supposed to do And while sitting in that pew that day, I began to have a mental argument with myself. And I said, wait a minute, Caleb. The Holy Spirit starts to stir and and convict that, listen, that's you, Caleb. You're a religious lost man. You're, You're a dead man. You're a dead man on the inside. You look pretty on the outside. You've got all the right verbiage. You've got all the right things on the outside. But inside, you're full of dead men's bones. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. I, I don't, and I'm not horrible. I'm nice to my mama. I, I'm a good guy. I'm a good man. You don't need to worry about this. You're good enough. I'm a pastor's kid. I, I'm, I'm good enough. And the Holy Spirit just kept convicting with the power of His word, saying, You need to examine yourself, Caleb. You need to check yourself. You need to look at see what's going on. Are you truly in the faith? Are you just have this modern day Americanized idea of faith? Are you really a believer? Are you just here because your mommy and daddy are here? Why are you in church, young man? The Holy Spirit just kept conveying that over and over and over. And I came to realize... That was me. I was a religious Pharisee that was full of dead men's bones. Sure, I I looked like I had it all figured out. But listen, honestly, I was only fooling myself. And I was fooling the people around me. But here's the deal. Some of you in the room, you're good at fooling folks. You're, You're good at getting people to believe something about who you are. But in reality, you know. You know that you're lost, you know that you need to repent of your sins, and you know that you need to trust Christ as your Savior, but all the while, you're making people believe, oh, yeah, 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 I'm a God, I grew up, I sang in the kids' choir, I did this, I went to camp, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, and the Spirit kept showing me that I need to examine myself, and I was fooling everybody but God. And that's the thing, you can fool everybody, you can even fool yourself, but you're not going to fool the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ knows exactly who we are. He knows, he knows the truth, and the truth of the matter is that Caleb Gordon, in his late teens, early twenties, was a lost Caleb. I was dead, I was, Ephesians chapter 2. Verses one through three says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked and followed in the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our bodies and of the mind. And we were were by nature children of wrath, just like all of human beings. You see, We've, we've, What we've done, we've done a, a major disservice to ourselves in this country. We fooled ourselves into believing that if we go to church a few times a year, Christmas, Easter, maybe just a special baptism or something like that that happens for somebody in our family, if we go to church a few times a year and we pray a little prayer, I prayed a prayer at camp, I prayed a prayer here, I prayed a prayer, I did this, I did this, then That'll secure my spot in heaven, Caleb. I'm, that'll be good. All I've got to do is pray a prayer and just show up to church a couple times a year. And, and people come in buildings just like this in the midst of... Or, or what'll happen is there'll be a crisis and everybody shows up to church when there's a crisis. Remember 9-11? The church I went to, literally you couldn't find an empty pew. Everyone thought that was it. We're, oh, we're coming to it. Jesus is coming back. We better get involved. We better get involved. We better cram for the exam. Divorce happens, someone dies, something something traumatic happens. Everybody gets to the building. Oh, we've got to check in. We've got to hurry and find our place. Is God here? we got to check in to find out. And people come into buildings like this during crisis, and they try to do some sort of fire insurance policy. Okay, I don't know. Let's, let's just take this. How many of y'all want to go to hell? Nobody Nobody in the room has their hand on that one. How many of y'all want to go to heaven? Let's try that. Everybody wants to go to heaven, right? Everybody's in. Everybody's like, hey, I'm in. I want to go to heaven. I want to go. And what happens is human beings, we're really good at this fire insurance policy because we want to save our own skins. But here's the deal. That's not biblical Christianity. That's not the Christianity that's actually spelled out in this book. That's not it. It's a false... Us coming in a couple times a year and praying a prayer gives us a false sense of security that at the end of the day will lead to our destruction if we're not careful. David Platt said this, I want to read this, this is an amazing um, research that he did. According to research, almost four out of five Americans identify themselves as Christians. But in this group of self-proclaimed Christians, less than half of them are involved in church on a weekly basis. Less than half of them believe the Bible are true. And an overwhelming majority of them do not have a biblical view of the world around them. So researchers went a little bit deeper and to distinguish men and women who are born-again Christians, as if there's a different kind of Christian, um, they found that... uh, Those people who were born again had made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and they believed that they're going to go to heaven because they've accepted Jesus as their Savior. And according to the research, nearly half of Americans are born again Christians. But if you look into this group of born again Christians, the researchers found that their beliefs and lifestyles are virtually indistinguishable from the world around them. Many born again believers believe that they can work hard to get a place into heaven. Others think that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Some believe that Jesus even sinned while he was on the earth. And an even more increasingly large number of born-again Christians just describe themselves as moderately committed to Jesus. So people can use this data to conclude that Christians really aren't different from the rest of the world. But I don't think that interpretation of that research is accurate I think that one of the things that's abundantly clear in these statistics is that there's a whole lot of people in our country who identify themselves. Everybody wants to identify as something. There's a lot of people that identify themselves as Christians, but they are not. There are scores and scores of people here and around the world who culturally distinguish themselves as Christians, but biblically are not truly followers of Christ. That was me. That was me, your pastor. That was who I was. I was the guy who thought because my mom and dad were, were leaders in the church, my dad was a pastor, man, I was golden. I thought that I was totally fine. I thought because I was involved in the youth group, because I went to camp, I, because I knew some Bible verses, because I went to VBS, I thought I was okay. I thought because my name was on a Sunday school roll somewhere that I was in the clear. I thought because I had been to camp four or five different times during my high school career that I was good. I thought because I went down front at camp and prayed a prayer that I was good. But in reality, I was in deep, deep weeds. I was a hell-bound religious man who had... A head knowledge of Christ. I had a head understanding of Christ. But I did not have a life transforming, a heart changing relationship with the God of the universe. And what the sad fact is that many who walk into churches all around the world today are in the exact same boat. And so what I want to try to do in the few moments I have here with you is, is God's word revealed to me my brokenness. God's word is the thing that came and helped me understand my brokenness. It revealed my game playing. It revealed my attempts to justify myself. And when I truly examined my heart, when I truly did a self-evaluation of who I was, I realized I needed a savior. I realized I needed to be brought back to life, that I was a dead man Playing games, I thought I could make it in on my own good merits, but I was just like these Pharisees in Matthew 23. Jesus said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you're like a whitewashed tomb, which outwardly appears beautiful, but within it's full of dead men's bones. And you are all completely unclean. And that's the first step. This is the first step for every one of us in the room. The ground around the cross is level. There's nobody that's got a bigger height. Oh, Caleb, you're a pastor, so you've got to leg up. No, I don't. I came into the kingdom just like everybody else does. Broken and a mess. Anybody else? I was broken, sinful, and a mess. That's the first step. You have to realize that you're sinful and broken due to your own sin. Not your neighbor's sin. Not your mom's sin or your dad's sin or your uncle or your cousin or your sister your brother. It's your sin that is the reason you're in trouble. Your sin. And once I realized I was dead, I found comfort in Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 6 through 11. For while we were still weak and at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's everyone. Christ died for the ungodly. And then verse 8, it tells us, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why did he die? What's the point of Good Friday and Easter that Jesus died on the cross to redeem and reconcile us back to himself? Verse 9 says, since therefore we have been justified by his blood. We just sang about that. Oh, the power of the blood. We've been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by his death, the death of his son, much more now than we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Oh, more than that, we will also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So, because of the person and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, you have been given a right standing with the God of the universe. You may be a good person, but that good person won't cut it. Jesus told the young rich ruler there's no one good but God. There's no one good. But, God, there has to be a stand-in. There has to be someone who stands in the gap, and that is Christ and Christ alone. But here's the thing. I think a lot of people in church, like, we're doing this very same thing. We, we look like we've got it all figured out. We come in rooms like this every Easter, Christmas, and like I said, a few other times in, in the year. And we talk like we've got it figured out. Like, listen, I know we're, like, it's, it's country up here. And so everybody, you know, this is, you know, God, America, and guns. I love all those things. But here's the deal. The gospel according to country music isn't going to get you into, into heaven. The gospel according to the Lord Jesus Christ is the only thing that's going to get you in. And that, the only way you get in is through repenting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. We, t- we may talk like we've got to figure it out. But in reality, the only people we're fooling is ourselves. Jesus said to examine ourselves and ask the questions. So, okay, it's a good good thing to examine. You say, "Caleb, where in the scriptures do I need to examine myself? Where can I look in the text and examine where I'm at? Who? Could, where can I? Can you help me find that? I'm glad you asked that question. There is a place to examine yourself. Matthew chapter five. So, if you got a Bible, go to Matthew chapter five. I want you to see this because it's super super important. We're gonna start in verse three. This is Jesus's. First sermon, he's preaching on the, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes is what the text is called, but it's a Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus begins to unpack, and this is what he says. Verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be Satisfied. So we see this, this first text here that Jesus calls. And the first thing he says is, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Now, what happens in the modern day America is we pull out parts of this and we just say, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A lot of people just think it's, if I got no money, I'm in. What? If i got no money, that's not what it says. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who understand, and this is why we have to understand the original language. This is why it's important when you go to church, that the guy who's behind the desk needs to unpack this stuff in the original language so you see this. This is what this is when it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who understand that they are spiritually bankrupt. poor. There is, there is there is a monetary idea here. Those that are spiritually bankrupt, those who understand that they are spiritually messed up, their bank, their spiritual bank account is massively in the red. That they are completely spiritually broken. They understand the utter spiritual bankruptcy of their sinfulness. They understand that they've broken God's law. Here's the deal. Every one of us in the room have broken God's law. You say, oh, Caleb, what is God's law? But, man, you guys are asking great questions today. Um, God's law is the Ten Commandments. So let's just take a test. How many guys have ever told a lie? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. Okay? How many guys have ever stolen anything? I don't believe you because you you just told me you're a bunch of liars. So if you're not me, I didn't steal anything. How many guys... Okay, let's just do this in the simple. How many guys have always honored mom and dad? Mom and dad... That is a lie. (laughs) Hannah is lying. You were just singing, girl. Okay. Okay. That's just, okay, that's just three of the Ten Commandments. Jesus internalized it. Jesus said, if you look at a person with lustful intentions, you've committed adultery. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. And I guarantee you, every one of us, including me, has had a moment where you're like, just driving traffic occasionally, like, man, if I had just five minutes with that guy, I would make him pay. Anybody else feel that way? Okay. Listen. We've, we've got some honest folks in the room. That's good. Yeah, so Jesus says what? If you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. So we've like we've broken God's commandments. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that all have sinned and fallen short. All is Greek for everyone. Not really. I just I just made that up. Those who understand, so Jesus says the first thing out of the gate, those who understand that they are spiritually bankrupt... Verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. Now, in context, what are they mourning over? Why should we mourn? We mourn because we come to the understanding that we've broken God's commands. We've disappointed the Lord Jesus Christ, and because we've disappointed and broken God's law, that causes us to want to mourn over our brokenness. Blessed are those who are broken over the fact of their sinfulness, and they seek to be saved and redeemed and reconciled by repenting in sin. Repenting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, repent is a big church word. Let's just—I'll—I'll give you that. What does repent mean? Repent means to change one's mind, to change direction. Repent means to go from one direction to another direction, to change from going this way to that way. What are we repenting over? We repent over. You hear that Jesus Christ came to die and reconcile. And bring you back to life, and that He loves you, and you've broken His law, and you're like, What? You repent by just simply saying, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry that I've broken your law. I'm sorry that I've disobeyed you. I'm sorry that I have done this wicked in your sight. Please forgive me. That is repenting and turning towards Christ, and then following the Lord Jesus Christ. Following the Lord Jesus Christ. So, blessed are those who understand that they're spiritually bankrupt. And because you realize you're spiritually bankrupt, you mourn over that fact. You're sorrowful. You're broken over that fact. And you shall, that's when you begin to repent. And then verse 5 says, blessed are the meek. Those who are humble, those who come in, not a prideful, arrogant. Scripture says that the Lord Jesus Christ resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Meek, when it says blessed are the meek, that means humble. That means coming into the Lord Jesus Christ's presence in a humble stance. Not a, well, God, you're just lucky to have a guy as good looking as me. No, 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 no. You come in saying, God, I know I don't deserve to be here. God, I know I shouldn't even be in your presence. But God, I'm thankful for the blood that was applied. And God, I ask that you'd forgive me. You'd forgive me of my sins. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit The earth, those who come to the in the Lord's presence, humbly, not pridefully. Humble voices carry so much further in the kingdom of God. Prideful voices will be shut down in a minute. But if you come in with a stance of God, I know I deserve your wrath. I know I deserve your punishment. But God, I ask in your sovereign and holy name that you would forgive me and that you would apply the blood to my account. Guess what? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Oh, this is a, this is a good one. Are you hungering for the things of God? That's a, there's an indicator, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, that there's really not a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. That's a very clear indication that you don't belong to Him. Because if you're hungering and thirsting for something, man, you have a desire for that. Man, if I looked at, at Steve and said, Steve, we're going to have some fillets after church, his mouth's going to start to water right now. He's, he's thinking, mmm, fillet. Mm. Some sweet tea and some, a fillet, or maybe some fried taters. Yeah, uh huh. He's starting to think, and he's like, yeah. He's starting to, he's hungering and thirsting for those things. He's desiring those things. That's that because, because he wants to be a part of that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Are you hungering and thirsting for the things of God? Are you hungering and thirsting for holiness, for righteousness, for godliness? Well, Caleb, no, not really. Like, could the FBI, if the FBI was doing a monitor of your life, could they determine you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ by the way you acted? Pro- probably, probably not, Caleb, because oh, let's just do this. If we could take all the, all the sins, all the things you did without anybody knowing and we projected them up on this screen, how many of you all want to stay in the room? Nobody in it. like I don't. Like I think about this last week in my own life where I've fallen short, where I've not done what God's called me to do, I don't want that on the screen, because coming a day when it will be. It'll be on, the scripture says that everything will be reviewed. Everything will be given in front of everyone. And you have to give an account. And you're either covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're covered by your good works. And if you're covered by your good works, you will not be redeemed. You will be cast into utter darkness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Are you more in love with Jesus today than you were a year ago? Do you hunger and long for the things of God? Are you committed to the cause of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, not really, Caleb. Do you want to see your kids saved? Well, I just want to see them on my ball team. If they can get to the ball team and get that that trophy. That's all I really care about is my kid getting that trophy. I post this on our church's Facebook page. There's a 0.23% chance that your kid is going to make it in professional sports. But there's a 100% chance that you and your child will stand before God Almighty and give an account. Period. Period. Does your sin bother you? Does the fact that you've broken God's law, that you have lied, that you have stolen, that you've cheated, that you've used God's name as a cuss word, that you've that you've Committed adultery in your mind, maybe, maybe even adult physical adultery. You've, maybe you've done. Maybe there is enough people in. The room. Maybe you have committed adultery. Guess what? That's breaking one of God's commands, and it, it will send you to hell. Breaking God's law is the recipe for disaster. Romans six twenty three: for the wages of sin is death. Like that's the death sentence. But God doesn't leave you there. He doesn't say for the wages of sin is death. He doesn't do that. He says, for the wages of sin is death. But, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Christ has made a way for you to be forgiven and reconciled and set free. Like this is the beautiful thing of the gospel. Romans chapter 4. Listen to this. This is a beautiful piece here. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord does not count his sin. Jesus has provided that way. That's what we're celebrating. Christ died on the cross on Good Friday and shed his innocent blood on the cross to cover the account of you that have sinned. Me that have sinned. And he was buried in a tomb for three days. And if he had not come back, we would not be justified. But because Christ came out of that grave three days later, we now are justified. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have peace with God because of what Christ did on the cross. And so here's the deal. I would rather you sit in this room and wrestle with the idea of your own sinfulness. Wrestle with the idea of your own depravity and know for certain that you, like, listen, I want to repent, Caleb. I want to change my life. I want to see my life different. First John 1, 9 tells us that if you confess your sins, like, this is what it looks like. You just simply say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I have broken your law. I know that I have messed up. I know that I'm a wreck. But God, I ask you you forgive me. Scripture promises us this if you confess your sins, that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. It don't matter what you've done, Christ can forgive it. Christ forgave murderers, adulterers, liars, thieves, blasphemers. He's forgiven everyone. Like the Bible's written by people who murdered people. Paul, he wrote the big half, the back half of the scriptures, he killed Christians as a sport. Like, he was a pro at it. He got letters from high authorities in Jerusalem so he could go hunt them down and kill them. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm going to change you. You're going to become one. You're going to stop killing them, and you're going to become one. Like, I would rather have someone in this room wrestle with the idea and know for certain that you're saved than to walk through life with a foggy, false sense of security because of your accomplishments and find out at the end of the day that you're going to hell, that your eternal home is hell. Listen, the only reason any of us are getting into heaven is because Jesus said so. Alistair Begg, he's a, he's a Scottish preacher. He tells the story of the two thieves on the cross with Jesus. And he, the thief who told him said, Jesus, will you remember me? That's so he said. Like the, he, he defied all of the things. He said, will you remember me? I understand I've broken your law. He told the other thief, we're up here because we deserve to be up here. We are a mess. We deserve the punishment we're getting. Jesus doesn't. He's innocent. And then he looked at Jesus. Will you please remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus said, I promise you, today, 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 you're going to be in paradise with me. Can you imagine the thief dies and wakes up on the other side? Why are you here? Uh, Because that guy said so. That guy said I could be here. The only reason any of us are going to get into heaven is because Jesus Christ said you can. But he provides you a road map on how to get there. How do you get there? Mark chapter 1 verse 15. And saying this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive you of those sins. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, God's called us to examine ourselves. And so this morning, what I want us to do is just take a few moments and just examine your own heart. Are you truly a believer or are you just like me? Back in 1998, sitting in a pew just like this, thinking I was saved because I was a pastor's kid. Thinking I was going to heaven because my name was on a Sunday school. I'd never missed a Sunday. But guess what? I was lost. I was a sinner who was religious. The only way you get in is because Christ says you can. And the only way Christ says you can is when he forgives you of your sins. And he for, He provides a way for you to find forgiveness. But you've got to admit it. When the first thing in the text, 1 the John one nine. If you confess your sins, Christ is faithful. But if you confess, if you're not me, Caleb, not going to do it. I am not going to, I don't need to. I'm a good boy. I'm a good guy. You ain't getting in, brother, sister. You will stand at the pearly gates and you will be just like the folks in Matthew chapter 7. This was another text that just shook my entire being. Listen to this. Because this is talking about church people. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everybody who says, Hey, I'm a Christian. That's what this not everyone who says to me, I'm a Christian, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father does the will of my father, those will be the ones in heaven. On that day, the day of judgment, the, the final day, the day when you die, the day when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Many say will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out demons in your name? Did I not do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. I never knew you. I do not want to stand in front of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Well, wait a minute, Pastor. Wait a minute, Lord. I was a... I, I was a pastor. Wait a minute, Lord. I, I sang in the choir. Wait a minute, Lord. My name was at First Baptist Cedarvale. I went to the Easter service. I did all the things. I, hey, I helped at Awanas. I should get a spot, but just because of that. <laughs> right? That's what some people think. And then what's the Lord going to say? Depart from me, you who work iniquity. I don't know. Who, I've never known you. Like, it's one thing for... If I, it's one thing to walk in and say, hey, I know you. I know who you are. Yeah, I know that guy. It's another thing for him to go, hey, I know who you are. I know who you are. So listen, God's called us to examine ourselves. Please, please, please do that today. Listen, Jesus does love you. And he loves you enough to allow you to continue in your sin. You want to go that route? Go for it. But guess what? He's provided a way out. Why in the world would we stop short and say, Hey, I know that you've got a spot. I know you've got a plan, God. I know you've, but you're going to save me from here. But guess what? I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to try. I'm just going to keep walking and doing my own thing and being a part of my own stuff. And I don't need you. I got, I'm a rock. I'm an island. You are not a rock. You are not an island. You're a piece of flesh that, man, if I just nick myself right with a nail, I bleed profusely. Anybody else? Steve? I saw the picture yesterday on Facebook. How'd that work out for you? It, it's, yeah, it didn't feel good. We're not rocks. We're not islands, man. We, we, we need someone to stand in the gap. And he's said he would. The thing that separates you from the Lord Jesus Christ, the thing that separates you from having an authentic, real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, is your sin. And you need to repent of your sins and trust the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ on the cross and out of the grave to forgive you of your
0: sins. You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, PO BO Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas 67024. God bless you.